0: sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first treating employees and customers with respect and helping others succeed now these same ceos the mentors want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability success and personal fulfillment in life at work and in business now here's your mentor
1: welcome this is tom laurie today we're going to talk about your future Robotics, will they replace us? Data science, how is it changing healthcare with personalized medicine and education and interactions with other people? Nanoengineering, aerospace and the drone revolution, wireless embedded systems, personal electronics and medical products, microbiome for disease diagnosis and treatment. To talk about this and all things related to engineering and our future, we have. The Dean of the University of San Diego's Jacobs School of Engineering, Dr. Al Pizzano, in the studio today as our guest mentor. Before embarking on an academic career, Dr. Pizzano held research positions with Xerox's famed Palo Alto Research Center, Singer Sewing Machines Corporate R&D Center, and General Motors Research Labs. He has a unique blend of the theoretical and the practical, as well as a blend of the academic rigor with corporate focus on Bringing Technologies to Market. Al, thanks hey, for joining
2: us. Tom, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Well, let's get started. Why should anyone think of dating an engineer?
2: Tom, Or, uh, or more broadly, an engineering candidate? Tom, I'm telling you, uh, to the young men out there, my advice is uh, dating an engineer is the way to find the best young woman you can ever find. Uh, young engineers today, uh, this is a diverse group. They're fun, intellectually bright, curious, alive, socially responsible. And you know what? When your Wi-Fi breaks, she'll fix that for you, too. <laughs> well, that's great. I,
1: and, and I'm an engineer, so I, people dated me, too, so it goes you know, the other way, right? You betcha. <laughs> It has been said that engineering is at the heart of possibilities for addressing the challenges in the 21st century, which would include health, the environment, uh, sustainability, energy, transportation, and manufacturing. What are your, what are your thoughts on the, the challenges that are ahead for us and engineering's uh, role?
2: Oh, so look, uh, you know, engineering is at the center of a lot of stuff. And as uh, just some of the things you mentioned, you know, just take uh, robotics for an example uh, imagine a future in which uh, robotics are actually soft like people, not hard made out of iron uh, for the healthcare industry that's an incredible that's an incredible uh, advantage to be able to interface uh, humans with robotics using the normal tactics that that you would actually expect you what, what, what would be an
1: example of something like that, using that type of an Sure.
2: Approach? So, uh, so for example, suppose you're running a big package sorting facility and you've got a variety of packages that come through and you've got uh, workers on the line helping sort the packages. But every now and then, uh, a big, heavy, bulky one comes along. Uh, if you put a giant piece of iron next to a human worker and the iron, piece of iron takes a swing in the wrong direction, you know who takes the worst of that interaction, right? But what if the robot actually is soft like a human, has similar responses and reflexes as a human and actually can mingle with the humans and just jump in and say, oh, here, let me handle this one for you because uh, we don't want you moving any packages too heavy. It's a risk to your health. Uh, Let me just jump in and do that, be your partner. So this idea that the robot doesn't look like a human, but it understands what it is to be among humans.
1: And is this in the area of contextual robotics? Is that uh, maybe you could talk about that in a broader sense, what contextual means?
2: Sure. So, uh, you know, one of the big institutes we formed at uh, the Jacob School of Engineering is a joint institute with social sciences. And together we run the uh, Institute for Contextual Robotics or robots that operate according to the context of the situation. So... Take away any images of mechanical motions, each one the same as before, infinite precision. Don't think about it like an automobile assembly line where every bolt goes into the exact same hole every time. Think now about what if the robot moves and flows and swings and uh, goes with the flow of the humans around it and actually builds a future where you have a robotic partner that empowers you, enables you, lets you get your job done better than ever before. That's the new thinking for robotics. And what
1: role, so you said social sciences, and I'm trying, I'm, you know, as an engineer, I'm thinking about how, how do you engage them? How do they, and do they actually engage you too?
2: I mean, you, are you driving it together? What, How does that work? Right, so we're we're driving it together, we're working together, and I do have to say that uh, as an engineer, uh, it was an extreme, mind-stretching event to be in meetings with faculty who use 30% of the words, or 30% of the words that they use were outside my normal vocabulary. (laughs) And I think it's the same going the other direction. So uh, let's just say enlightening to both sides, very stimulating and captivating to both sides.
1: And you, you've had uh, quite a history in the um, things that are small, uh, sensors, actuators, nanoengineering. What's going on with, first of all, describe what an- nanoengineering is and what's going on in that area.
2: So uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, we'll use a hair as a, uh, as a size of measure. So uh, you take a typical hair, uh, say about 50 micrometers in diameter. So you pluck a hair, you look at it, that's 50 micrometers. If you go down a factor of 1,000, it's 50,000 nanometers. Now imagine that I build something that's 50 nanometers or 1,000 times smaller than the hair. What you're really doing is making things that interact directly, with molecules. That's wild.
1: And uh, there are applications being developed in the healthcare field, aren't there?
2: Yeah, so uh, I can give you one uh, very briefly which is so imagine I can take a group of nanoparticles imagine that I can cloak them with the membrane of a red blood cell so it's really a wolf in sheep's clothing and imagine I can release that into your blood and those nanoparticles pluck out the mercury or heavy metal poisoning from your blood. That is actually, has been done already uh, in our school.
1: Mm. And is that on its way to the marketplace? Or I, I mean, it's one thing being
2: in the school now, the translation part becomes the challenge, right? So that that's where uh, the engineering school is using all its co- uh, connections with the business school and entrepreneurs to try to find the right venue into the right marketplace. The idea being... Uh, is something that can circulate in your blood, collect the bad things, and pass from your body uh, in the normal way that a worn-out red blood cell gets passed.
1: Well, we need to take a break, and when we return, we're going to talk about some of the exciting initiatives down at the University of California under your direction at the Jacobs School of Engineering.
2: I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow. And I give you a 60-day money-back
3: guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their 4-pack special, plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off, plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. (sighs) Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. Hopinacan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to HopeInACan.com. That's HopeInACan.com. HopeInACan.com.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm talking to Dean Al Pizzano from the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California, San Diego, about whether or not there's a future for you in robotics, sensors, healthcare, artificial intelligence, and more. Before we broke, we were talking a little bit about nano. One of the areas that's been getting a lot of attention lately is
2: artificial intelligence.
1: Tell us what's going on down at UCSD in this area. This is a hot area.
2: Right. So, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and a whole cluster of technologies. And, and tell, tell people what a machine learning really is. Sure. It's a term, but tell them yeah. what it means. So uh, uh, there are a cluster of technologies that look at data, extract patterns from the data, And from those patterns, get a sort of uh, level of wisdom, and then you can use that to sort out a larger problem. So, for example, if you took a lot, suppose I wore a set of sensors on my body for, uh, let's say, a month or two, um, and someone noticed, you know, Al, uh, you may not have realized, but uh, six hours after you have that pastrami sandwich, you always complain that you have a headache. And we looked at the data, and it's almost six hours every single time, so you know, maybe we should take a look at that pastrami sandwich and maybe there's some allergy to the way the, the, the sandwich is processed. So that taken to a large scale with huge data sets and a lot more sophisticated insights is a, a quick way of explaining uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence.
1: Would, I, I'm curious, as you were talking, uh, it may be a metaphor for Maybe it's not a true example of artificial intelligence, but uh, there's this app called Waze. And there's millions of people out there and it's drawing information, it's looking at patterns, and then for me, because I've plugged in I want to go from here to there, it's telling me how to get there. It seems like that's a little bit of a maybe not the exact thing, but something like that.
2: No, Tom, you're right on the you're right on the money with that example because the other half of this is, you know, artificial intelligence means it's intelligent. Where does it get the intelligence? So you get the intelligence from scanning the web for data, where you get the intelligence by interacting with humans and saying, hey, you tried this route. Look at the time you got. So uh, you hit on that other side of it, which is these systems are always learning. And the wonderful thing, or potentially scary thing, is they don't forget once they learn. Mm.
1: How long have you been dean at uh, UCSD's Jacobs School?
2: September will
1: make five years. And what has been your personal mission as the dean?
2: Well, it's uh, <laughs> there's lots of interesting missions. Uh, the biggest one is that uh, our school is ranked overall number uh, 12 in the country right now. Uh, soon after I arrived, it, it had been ranked as 17. And I'm going to take the school into the top 10. It's got all the power to do it. Uh, the, but more important than that, we're going to realign uh, engineering education to do a number of important things, and the uh, the, the, the the quickest way to uh, say it is that um, eloquent technical solutions are always necessary, but no longer sufficient, and the human side has to be fully integrated into engineering, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna be transforming the school to put humans at the center of problem solving.
1: This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today we're talking to Dean Al Pizzano from the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California, San Diego. How many students do you have in the engineering school?
2: Tom, we have a huge school. We have almost 9,000 students, uh, about uh, 2,800 graduate students and uh, uh, close to 6,100, 6,200 undergraduates. Um, It's one of the biggest schools in the country, uh, certainly the biggest one on the West Coast.
1: And I know that it's uh, very high in the research expenditures uh, per faculty
2: uh, member. I have to say we're very proud of all the public universities in the country, Uh, our research expenditures measured in dollars per faculty uh, is number one among all the public schools uh, for the second year running. So our UCLA friends or our uh, uh, Michigan friends, I'm really sorry, but you're not in first place. (laughs) There's a little bit of competition there for sure. Well, uh, where where do your students come from? We get a large group from the region, but uh, to be honest, uh, we uh, we are not a regional school, and we get a, uh, a we get students from across the country and around the world. Uh, so the school is quite a diverse population.
1: Now, as I recall, you you have a pretty close relationship with China and Japan, so you're drawing a lot, I would assume, from Asia. Is there a larger. Prop- proportion of Asian students compared to other countries, other areas, regions?
2: So, Asia is a very uh, powerful market for engineering education. Uh, There's a lot of people there and they want engineering degrees, so yes, we get a lot of people from Asia. But you know, uh, our other claim to fame is that we have a very large Hispanic population and we're actually forming uh, liaisons with Mexico to make it easier and easier uh, for American students and Mexican students to study engineering together. And uh, right across the border,
1: just uh, south of San Diego, is one of the largest manufacturing areas in the in the world, <clears throat> making things that people don't even think of. That they're be- I think it's got the largest chip plant in the world. Yes, silicon chip.
2: Uh, straight, uh, maybe uh, 25 miles straight south of the school is uh, Tijuana. Uh, you go inland a little bit, Mexicali, and then uh, a little further in, uh, you get Juarez, which I think is the the si- sister city of uh, El Paso, right. Uh, and the joke I tell our friends at the University of Austin is that I can drive to your main Hispanic connection faster than you can because Austin and San Diego are equal distance from even Juarez. And I got the three series, so I know I'm going to beat the dean there any time. So the students at UCSD have an opportunity
1: I would, to cross the border as well. I mean, it's a, a bicultural uh, exchange that you have there
2: indeed we're pushing this very hard we have an active health clinic where engineering and uh, uh, med- medical students uh, go to Tijuana we have uh, a a program called enlace which means you know lasso and snare uh, bring together and uh, uh, that program is a unique program we pair one Mexican student with one American student and they take a summer, pre-engineering program together. We not only, they not only learn together, they learn to like each other and they form long-term relationships.
1: And you have, uh, at UCSD, the top bioengineering program in the second, number two in the, in the country. And you have the advantage I know at UCSD of being affiliated with the medical center, part of the university of California, San Diego, which does a lot of research a tremendous amount of NIH grants and also the Scripps Institute. Uh, Maybe you can talk about the collaboration and interchange between the engineers and the the people in the medical centers.
2: Right, so indeed, uh, Tom, uh, uh, the topic we're really talking about is the power of the ecosystem. So for example, there are over 700,000 patient visits on the UC San Diego campus every year. Huge flows. So uh, engineering has joint appointments uh, with uh, the medical school, lots of joint projects together, and the engineers have access to the clinics through the doctors. The doctors have access to the technology through us. And, uh, and as you can imagine, when I was mentioning uh, the nanoparticles in the bloodstream, you know, you can't do that in an engineering school alone. You need partners over in the medical school. And indeed, we're using this ecosystem to pump uh, engineering harder and faster than, than you would normally without. And what is the curriculum like for an undergrad? Oh, we make them work hard. Don't worry about sure. that at all. <laughs> it isn't all fun. Uh, no, but all jokes aside, uh, we, have, uh, we have a traditional core, which is important because uh, becoming an engineer requires you to rewire your mind a little bit and learn those problem solving skills. And you don't do those in the abstract, but Uh, We're increasing the number of electives uh, by reducing the core, so you can take a wider variety of things, and introducing programs joint with the business school, joint with social sciences, joint with arts and humanities, joint with the policy school, so students can study with other students in these bridge areas. Well, I know one of the thrusts uh, I've heard about is the
1: multidisciplinary approach to solving problems. I think you're touching on that right now and bringing in like the social sciences with the machine learning and all of that. But uh, and there's a new you're building a new institute down there. You have a new building under construction. Well, we'll come back to that after the break. Uh, Right now, we're going to go to break. We're talking with Al Pisano from the Who's the Dean from the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California. If you have any questions or feedback, you can call anytime at 844-810-8255. That's 844-810-TALK.
4: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each
5: other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended
4: for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org.
5: Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz.
6: There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosher a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence. And the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to BullyofAsia.com. That's BullyofAsia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. BullyofAsia.com.
7: Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran, and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session, free. Go to newcareer.biz. thats newcareer.biz. newcareer.b-i-z. newcareer.biz. Let's do this.
0: And now... Back to the mentors where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tom Lauren. Today we are talking with Dean Alpezano from the Jacobs school of engineering at the university of California, San Diego about the grand technological challenges in the 21st century, including health, environmental sustainability, energy, transportation, and manufacturing. When we, uh, in our last segment, we're talking about UCSD's program. What would you advise a high school students thinking about engineering? What would you tell that young man or young woman?
2: Right, so uh, first off, it, this is not your grandfather's engineering. Uh, uh, engineering today and the future is looking for well-rounded people who use the right as well as the left side of their brain to be creative and innovative. Yes, you're going to have to study the the prerequisites. And yes, you're going to have to do your core courses. But uh, if you're not circumspect, if you, if you can't handle uh, or if you don't know how to deal with the larger issues, um, uh, uh, well, uh, let me retract. Uh, to really be a great engineer, you've got to understand people nowadays. So we're looking for people who understand people, not just people who only understand technology.
1: And what are your thoughts about going on to graduate school for a master's and then a PhD?
2: So, uh, you know, the growth market, uh, the biggest percentage growth market is the master's program. Companies are looking for what they call these empowered baccalaureates who stay for the extra year, bulk up on a little more of their skills, and then go industry and, and get to a fast start. PhD is still a great uh, degree to get. I don't want to discourage anyone who wants to get a PhD, uh, but the real growth market is uh, that broadened engineer with the master's degree. So the broadened engineer with master he gets more specialized though in master's
1: program, right? Rather than take because you got the core program now, you're a master's. Now you want to maybe focus on robotics or uh, one of the other uh, areas of
2: interest. right. So our approach is is not that you uh, get narrower. When you stay for that extra year, yes, you get some more technical expertise in a particular area. But you also get the opportunity to do, let's say, a certificate in business, or a certificate in contextual robotics, or a certificate in a number of other fields that reach out from engineering. So those, I, one of my questions had to do with people later in life that are
1: already in the workforce that are thinking about re-entering uh, an educational program. So you have certificates that people can uh, take and and. To advance their skills and get a foothold in the engineering field.
2: That's correct. Uh, We call our program the Master of Advanced Study, and many of these are oriented toward uh, engineers uh, or practitioners uh, who have anywhere from 5 to 15 years of experience and who are looking to broaden their skills, improve what they've got, or move into a new direction.
1: How, How competitive is it to get into a good engineering program like Jacob's?
2: Yeah, it's, well, that's the, uh, that's the other side of running a successful school. Uh, the, uh, our acceptance rate is uh, still good compared to many other schools, but uh, let's just say uh, it's getting more and more competitive than before.
1: And what is the percentage of women that you now
2: have in the engineering program? Uh, we're running uh, overall roughly uh, 20%, and it's rising. So yeah. we're very, very happy about that trend. And are, those, are the women being attracted
1: into certain subspecialties within engineering more than others?
2: So, uh, yes, uh, there are two or three programs that are particularly uh, uh, attractive to women. Our bioengineering department, of course, is one of the prime ones. Uh, but we're, we're not taking our foot off the uh, – we're, we're not uh, slackening the pace for recruiting women into all the branches of engineering.
1: This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today, we're talking with Dean Pizzano from the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California at San Francisco. Let's talk about some of the exciting things that your engineering students are doing at uh, UCSD. What are the uh, electrical engineers doing these days?
2: Uh, so I have to say uh, our electrical engineering department, the uh, ECE, Electro- Electrical and Computer Engineering uh Wild and crazy, wild and crazy projects. So, for example, uh, in a class project, one student programmed a cell phone to talk to a cloud-based computer app, leveraged all the communication systems around him, and taught his phone how to turn the lights on and off in the room when he enters and leaves. Hmm. Now, for a student to do that in the junior year, I mean, this used to be things that you would put an engineer with several years of experience on. I'm just blown away by some of these things that they do.
1: Now, one of the things you're very well known for, and as a matter of context, I I have an engineering background. I started my career in manufacturing engineering, and uh, Al used to be the chairman at the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Cal. And I saw it there, and he's done the same thing down at UC. You have a machine shop. And people,
2: and what, the freshmen have to make something? You betcha. You betcha. So, uh, you know, one of the new trends in engineering is if you can't make it, then you don't know what you're doing. And the, uh, the real philosophy is that engineering students, when they graduate, don't really need a resume. They need a portfolio. You have to treat them like you would treat artists and sculptors and musicians. So it isn't about, oh, I studied this and I... Claim that I have skills in this language, and I claim that I can analyze that. Now the employers say, "Show me what you got." And so we make sure those students have something to show them.
1: And I don't, I don't know if you did it at UCSD, but I know you did it at Berkeley. You participated in the solar car. Uh, how long the cars? Could, maybe you could talk just a little bit about that's an exciting, right. fun
2: project. The students seem to be very passionate about. Right. So the the, the project I'll point to is the uh, race car a program, the formula race car program that all the colleges uh, participate in. Um, uh, I will give my team a, uh, a plug that they, they ranked seven in the country this year. That's up from being like 84, five or six years ago. And getting them in the shop, getting them welding, uh, getting them to uh, do the machining, puts such intuition into their minds so that when they design something and refine something, they they understand what's doable and what's not doable, and they they can refine a car uh, much faster than ever before, and that means you get a better race car. So uh, hands-on is the way to go. And one of the other things that is exceptional at uh, UCSD
1: is you have a you have a venture fund for uh, the students, which.
2: To- Ye- Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So uh, we're very proud of the fact that we have a Triton Fund and a Vertical Venture Fund. The Triton Fund is early monies uh, for startup opportunities uh, for the students and the faculty and the alums. Uh, uh, Behind that is a fund that's four times bigger to carry it forward, Vertical Ventures. And I want to make a call out to David Schwab, who we recruited out of Sierra Ventures, come on down south and run these programs for us so we're in it with the big boys
1: and and the uh
2: the other question i had is uh st- structural
1: engineers what are they they you, you have a lot going on with earthquakes and yep. water and I mean, talk just briefly we got a few seconds left before the break and,
2: so the joke i'll say is earthquakes don't stop at the border they seem to they just come right across so a, a quick snippet uh, imagine being able to build a 20-story building out of wood. We are learning how to do that, and you want to do that because it's greener and more earthquake resistant. Mm. I
1: often look at the new uh, Salesforce Tower in San Francisco, and having lived through the 1989 earthquake, I, I got to believe there's a lot of engineering in that building, but I certainly don't want to be on it when it, when the big one hits. So, <laughs> Okay, we're going to go to break. And when we come back from break, we'll learn about uh, Al's own journey uh, in the field of engineering.
5: In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools and more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why.
4: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs.
5: This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the Book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church.
4: Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie and we're
1: talking with Al Pisano, the Dean of the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California, San Diego, about the multiple paths engineers can take in the world. And we're going to start first with his path. But before that, for those that have tuned in late, you can listen to the whole show by going to the mentorsradio.com that the, me- the mentorsradio.com. You have a very interesting background and a career path. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about your own journey?
2: Sure. Well, thanks Tom. Uh, you know, when I was born, my dad drove a bulldozer. Uh, he, didn't drove the bu- he didn't drive the bulldozer because I was born. That was the job he had while <laughs> I, at the moment I was born. Um, and so uh, in one sense, it was predestined that I would become a mechanical engineer because I was just in love with big earth moving equipment. But, you know, uh, my dad never went to college. In fact, I was the first in my family to go to college and graduate. Uh, so I felt, uh, let's just say, uh, disadvantaged a lot, uh, lonely a lot, uh, confused a lot, kind of stumbled my way through. And, uh, and at a low point, uh, when I was uh, finishing up my baccalaureate degree at Columbia University, uh, I was ready to quit. And so I went to see my cousin, uh, Donato Villotte, uh rest his soul, uh, uh, who was working at IBM Research Center so he took me there and he showed me all this beautiful stuff with lasers and stuff and i said wow cousin don okay i want to do that he says well um... i showed you stuff that other people do i'm just a glass blower i make the tubes that the gas goes in that we make the laser from if you want to do the fun stuff stay in school <laughs> uh, okay 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 so i'm um, so i toughed it through um... but then uh, Immediately immediately after uh, graduation, I went to work for a number of companies, Xerox, General Motors, Singer Sewing Machines, just wanted to get out there. And then it was later on that I said, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to get into the research track. And that brought me to Berkeley eventually.
1: But what's interesting is the fact that you had the uh, corporate experience before you went into the academic experience. There are a lot of academics i've worked with that have no clue how a
2: corporation works all right so you know i gotta be careful i have 255 faculty that uh, (laughs) that can get at me in a myriad of ways but i will offer this very with let's just say gentle suggestion um there's absolutely nothing wrong with having adult supervision on the professoriate (laughs) uh and the way you get that is by doing something relevant and that means you have to work with industry now you don't do a hundred. You don't have to do a hundred percent of that, but if you are relevant, and in fact, my mantra is the great engineering schools of the next decade will collaborate their way to relevance. So if you take partners in industry, you learn, they learn, you teach the students better, the students get connected better. Your school is doing what it needs to do, and that's why we're running our school, the Jacobs School, that way. And you
1: have been involved in
2: a number of ventures. Uh since
1: you've been in the academic side. So you've continued this, having your foot in the water in terms of the translation to a uh, commercial use and with the goal of helping
2: humanity. So I agreed. And, you know, there's a special value to that. Um, If an engineer falls too deeply in love with the technology that he or she is working on, then they're at risk of doing something irrelevant. Because the whole idea is, that technology has to help somebody and has to perform a higher good. So the the important reason for students to, to learn entrepreneurial skills is that they have to remember that just because they love something that they're doing, it may not be loved by everybody else. And the engineer's job is to make the things that are useful. And that means someone else's opinion has to be high of that, not just your own.
1: And did you, I, I know your dad had a big influence. Obviously, you mentioned one way with what he did, but were there other uh, in, other points of light that uh, your father my, shared with you? My, it sounded like he was a pretty influential person. My
2: dad and my grandfather, the two of them were very powerful male figures in the family, uh, and I'll tell a short story about my dad, the inveterate do-it-yourselfer who decided to make a concrete patio in the backyard himself. Uh, first off, he put forms that meant you had to pour like eight inches of concrete. And everyone knows you need two inches for a patio. And one Saturday morning, a a huge dump truck, 15 cubic yards of gravel and sand pulls into the driveway and dumps this load on the driveway. And my dad says, hey, Al, uh, here's a shovel and a five-gallon pail. Uh, We're going to shovel this load into the bucket and we're going to carry it to the backyard by the way, 200 feet away from where they dumped the load. Mm-hmm. And I said, Dad, like, what? And so the fir- at 13 years old, the first lesson my father taught me the hard way is you eat an elephant one bite at a time or you move 15 cubic yards a pail at a time. It took us weeks to move that pile, but we did. And, you know, in the beginning, you don't look like you're making much progress. But at the end, it disappears pretty quick. So when you learn that, then you say, okay, when you get into a problem, you just stick with it. Do you get the answer? One bite at a time. One, 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 at a time.
1: one bucket at a time. One actually, bucket. this is Tom Lauri You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today we're talking to Dean Al from the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California at San Diego. Um, what were uh, other seminal mentors in your life?
2: So you know, my uh, my father's father uh, was a very very big figure in New York. Now the family lore has it that. No, he didn't drive a whiskey truck for Dutch Schultz, the famous gangster at the time. Uh, but uh, the uh, the other lore is that he was a master mechanic and supervised 450 engineers. Um, so he was a short, wiry, tough guy uh, who, when he knew what was right, just stuck with it. And, you know, some powerful figure like that in your family, especially when you're young and... Uh, and I was maybe uh, ten or twelve years old when I interacted with him the most. Uh, it leaves a powerful imprint on. Once you see the right thing to do, you just have to do it, no matter what the uh, no matter what the resistance.
1: And what were some of the defining moments in your
2: life uh, as a child, and then maybe along the way in a career? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a comical one. Uh, my grandfather was a fuss bucket when it came to shiny floors. Every week. He had this old, old shepherd dual brush floor polisher, and he used to polish the floors. It, it was a fetish of his, I guess. So one, one weekend, I decided that I was going to improve the floor polisher, and so I took it apart, and I packed it full of grease, because at that time, I may have been seven or eight years old. And, and my grandfather had said, You know, if the machine isn't working right, the construct, you put grease and it works better. So I packed his, <laughs> I packed the whole thing full of this thick red clay like grease that he had brought home from work. And I waited in the corner of the room, hiding for him to use it. And when he turned the switch, the machine went, <laughs> and he cussed a blue streak. Uh, and I won't mention what happened to me afterwards, but I had to unpack the grease from the machine and fix it. Uh, which I did by the way. Uh, and so, um, at a formative stage, I, the lesson there is the, the obvious solution sometimes is not the right solution.
1: I have to laugh. I've got a grandson who, uh, since age five, he likes to take things apart to see how they work. He'd be a perfect student for UCSD. I, I have to bring him down there, but, uh, Uh, The problem is when he was younger, he couldn't get all the parts to go back together, as you know, as a young kid. Well, we're going to go to our final break, and when we return, we're going to continue our discussion with Dean Alpizano, who leads the Jacobs School of Engineering at UCSD. You can like us on Facebook at The Mentors Radio. You will find all of our show notes and links and past shows at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com.
3: Hey, there's something new for you at the mentorsradio.com website, a new special offers page. There you'll find unique offers available only to our listeners, you. For example, have you ever wondered if a career coach could help you get to the next level? Find out. For a limited time, a superb career coach is offering you a free session. The offers change all the time, so bookmark the mentorsradio.com. That's the mentorsradio.com the mentorsradio.com.
5: In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year mcgraw hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why.
6: There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosher a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. bullyofasia.com.
7: Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran, and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session, free. Go to newcareer.biz. That's newcareer.biz. newcareer.biz. Let's do this.
0: And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome
1: back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm talking to Dean Al Pizano from the University of California, San Diego's Jacobs School of Engineering, about how a technology will improve your life and change the world in health, the environment, and your way of life. It's hard to believe that our hour is nearly up, but we've got a few more minutes, and I'd like you to share with us a little bit about how you see the future of engineering.
2: So Tom, you know, I think there are uh, three big points I want to make and make them very quickly. So the first one is uh, the big future of engineering is not necessarily the delivery method. A lot of people talk about online versus in class. That's not where the big revolution is going to come from. I want to be on record for saying that there are going to be two ways that you're going to see engineering be revolutionized itself. And the first is that engineering is going to get re-engaged with the physical sciences from which it emerged. Engineering is going to re- back up a little bit and reconnect to all that curiosity-driven research.
1: And, and physical sciences for those, that's physics, chemistry, Three, biology. biology.
2: That's correct. If it's the science of the physical world. Um, and the other side of that is that I think engineering is going to emerge... As one of the next liberal arts in education and I want to dive into that a little bit so you know a liberal arts education which I value I came from a liberal arts background before I became an engineer the value there is you're taught uh, critical thinking you actually rewire your mind but you don't practice what you studied so for example if you study French Renaissance literature you can't become a French Renaissance writer you're misplaced in time and space. But that knowledge shapes the way you think and operate and makes you effective at other things. So there's a trend that a lot of students who go to engineering wanna go because they learn skills that are valuable somewhere else. So by analogy, I say, now wait a minute. If you give it all these people who really thrive in a liberal arts education and make valuable careers, why is engineering limited to only educating practitioners? So we're in the, we're, our higher-level calling is to help you rewire your mind to be a problem solver, not necessarily in engineering, but in other areas. Give me some examples. Okay, so, uh, for example, grand challenges. Food, water, health, transport, social justice, climate change. Bringing a technically, beautifully, eloquently engineered solution to the table doesn't work. You need the buy-in of the people. Uh, You need to educate the people on how to use the device. Uh, You have a whole myriad of human-based issues in engineering. And in fact, human-based design is a strong trend in engineering. So uh, imagine then that someone studies engineering and after they study, after they complete their degrees, they go to work on Wall Street, and they're great in the trading houses because they understand calculus and math. Or as an engineer, you go and work for the Peace Corps, or uh, you work for, uh, 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 let's say, uh, uh, Physicians Without Borders. Uh, you you just learn a way of taking apart a tricky problem and putting it back together, and you do it now by working with the people not with the technology and uh, we have a number of students in our school um, uh, global ties the global teams in engineering service who go to various places in the world and solve problems for those people but they don't just do the technical part they actually learn what it takes to get the technology uptaken. what how you have to teach people to change their behaviors not just use the technology. Well, one of the uh, questions I want to ask before
1: we've got 30 seconds, real quick. You've seen a lot of people, you've met a lot of people, famous, whatever, all different age groups. What is the one thing that strikes you about those people who have, who are really, truly happy?
2: Oh my goodness. Uh, They find what they're good at and it happens to be something that they love doing and they go in it full force. And you put those two things together, they seem to be the happiest people. Well, you seem to be one of those
1: that is doing exactly what you uh, want and you're enjoying it. We are out of time. Dean Alpezano, thank you very much for being with us. I can see why engineering is an exciting career path for many different things, and it creates a future for all of us on planet Earth. If you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by going to our website, TheMentorsRadio.com. When there, you can also subscribe to future shows. That is TheMentorsRadio.com. Join me next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, on behalf of Rick Brutico and myself, Tom Laurie, be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who's struggling with darkness.
0: It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.